All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am joined by Matt Waldman of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio to break down this upcoming 2021 draft class at the running back position. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at falcfans.com, RIP, still going strong on Twitter at falcfans, and of course, the host of this preeminent Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode, I will be joined by Matt Waldman, a returning guest to the show. He's from the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. You can find Matt's stuff all over the interwebs, breaking down uh, various positions in that rookie scouting portfolio gives you a lot of insight into the sort of core fantasy positions like quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and the various prospects uh, at that position. And Matt's going to be talking with us about sort of the subtleties and what well, what he values and what he sees in some of these running back prospects uh, that maybe some other people don't see. And we'll sort of focus primarily on who are some of those guys that may wind up being fits in Atlanta. Some guys that can add, you know, more speed, some guys that can add more power. Some of the guys at the top of the draft class that, you know, could be sort of that feature running back that a lot of people are billing them as. And, and maybe some guys that aren't necessarily billed as highly as those top three guys guys and, and players like Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and Javante Williams that may be just as good, just as valuable as those guys. So we'll get into that with Matt coming up here. I should also note that we technically recorded this episode last week before the Falcons went out there and signed Cordero Patterson. In fact, right after finishing recording, this episode was when the, the news first broke that the Falcons were going to bring in Cordero Patterson. And of course, the very next day, the Falcons wound up cutting Edo Smith. So I just want to give you that um, little tidbit of information because we're, we're basically operating under the assumption recording this episode that, you know, Edo Smith and Quadri Olison are going to be the backup running backs behind Mike Davis rather than Cordero Patterson and Quadri Olison. So um, keep that in mind as you ch- listen to today's episode. It really doesn't matter all that much in terms of the overall content of the show, but in a world in a post Cordero Patterson world, as we know, that was the biggest move that the Falcons have made this entire off season. You know, it would have changed the quality of this uh, episode, but without further ado, let me stop talking and let's jump into that conversation with Matt Waldman. All right, guys, it's me, Aaron Freeman of Locked on Falcons. And today I am joined by Matt Waldman of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. You can see Matt's work all over the Internet. And today we're going to be talking exclusively about running backs, who fits for the Falcons, who are some of the top running backs in this draft class. But first, I want to welcome Matt back to the show. Oh, thank you for having me, Aaron. I always have a good time talking football with you and we get to talk about a position that's near and dear to my heart, even if they feel like that it's being de-emphasized in the league. I'm okay with that. We get to talk about these guys. It's fun. So, Matt, you know, you talk about the running back position being devalued. I'm curious, sort of, where do you think they should be valued in this draft? What are your thoughts on whether or not it's sort of a case-by-case basis where you sort of look at it and say certain running backs are worth this and certain running backs may not be worth that. 
or do you look at it where, you know, maybe there is some something to glean across the entire position in terms of guys value going up or down? Yeah, I mean, I'm more of a case-by-case guy because I know there are people who feel like that even Ezekiel Elliott was a bad pick for the Cowboys back in the day, and I think that's ridiculous. I think that Zeke, you know, Zeke is one of the best running backs in the class, and certainly you can talk about value, but if you have a team at the time that it depends on where the team's at. I mean, if you have a strong or developing young offensive line and you have the passing game you need but you need the complement with the run or you have certain pieces need to fit – there are guys that you might value a little bit higher um, in order to make sure that you get them and they can be that final piece to the puzzle that ties the room together. And there are backs also who what they offer as a threat is great enough that it does force defenses to overreact with multiple defenders in ways that it does open up the passing game or that they can be a major part of the passing game in ways that, you know, Alvin, someone told me that Alvin Kamara, if you had a chance to pick him over again in the first or second round instead of the third, you can sit there and say, well, they got him in the third. But if, you know, if the valuation was correct on him, of course you'd be taking him somewhere in the first round. You know, so to, to me, it's about how, how accurately you value the player and how much his value he brings to your team. Now the Falcons have a new head coach in Arthur Smith, and he's going to be re-implementing, I guess we could say, the wide zone scheme that the Falcons have ran the last couple of years, but not to the degree that I think a lot of people expected them in their recent offensive coordinator, Dirk Cutter. Uh, they had a lot more success running that scheme and running the football under Kyle Shanahan, Steve Sarkeesian from 2015 to 2017. Now, given the reputation that that scheme tends to elevate running back production, do you think that means that the Falcons should uh, put less emphasis on the running back position in this year's draft? Or do you think, given what we saw with what Smith was able to get out of someone like Derrick Henry, that there is a significant advantage to adding maybe one of these upper echelon talents at the running back position, given the scheme that they're going to run? Well, I think the way they've set themselves up right now, and we'll certainly talk about him in more detail, but the way we set themselves up with having Mike Davis as a player that you can either look at as your starter for now or even for the next couple of years, they have a competent running back who can do good work in the passing game as well as run the outside zone well, so that you could probably look at shoring up your offensive line and continuing to build on the strength there that I think is developing along those lines with young players. Um, and then, but probably a lot of these running backs will probably be available second and third round who are near or at the top of the class. I doubt more than one back gets drafted in the first round. So as a result of that, you're probably going to get good value. And there's even a back or two that I think could be very good in a wide zone scheme who might be as good or better than the top names that people are talking about that you might be able to get in the third or fourth round um, of this class who might prove to be, you know, their peer. Um, the interesting thing is because of the wide zone scheme, the way it is, it gives you a lot of versatility of how you want to pick a back because a lot of teams look at players who are maybe considered speedsters who are better in gap schemes because they hit creases so hard and decisively and get into that open field. And they think, well, if we're going to convert them to more of a zone runner, the outside zone scheme gives them more of a chance for that to happen. You saw that with Tevin Coleman, who, while he was an outside zone runner at IU, one of the things I talked about a lot was that he wasn't quite ready to play a pro style outside zone. And it took him a couple of years to get there. Um, but then there's also some guys in this class 
that you can get later who may not have that gap oriented speed who there's a guy in this class that we'll talk about later who reminds me of Devonta Freeman in terms of the way that he plays and we saw how good Freeman could be when he was healthy now you talked about Mike Davis um the expectations with what Arthur Smith has been saying to the media over the last couple of months is that the Falcons are going to run that sort of committee system and be more uh geared towards that than necessarily with the Titans when they had that workhorse in Derrick Henry. I'm I'm curious just what are your expectations on what you would expect from Mike Davis this year? Yeah, I'd see him as you know, if the Falcons decide to draft a player a little bit later, then Mike Davis will be the lead back in this and he'll be more the Freeman-like player um, in you know from what we've seen in the past in the Shanahan system, even though Smith's system is probably different. But what you're going to see is he'll get the bulk of the the first you know, and second down looks, but he's also such a great receiver out of the backfield that they'll certainly give him opportunities as a third down player. Um, but you may see there's a guy, you know, they may use another draft pick on a guy to be kind of that home run hitter because Davis isn't a home run threat. He's a guy who can flip the field for big gains. If you define it by 15 to 20 to 25 yard gains, he can give you a lot of those behind a good line, but he's a powerful back, really good footwork. He has that skill to really press the line and then flip his hips and get downhill. He understand he's a smooth runner. This is a guy that really his best tape at South Carolina he looked like an early round pick and, but he didn't, he wasn't consistent that way. And it took him a while because of his low draft capital to get opportunities. But you'd see him in Seattle and, you know, before he went to Carolina and you could see the skills with the outside zone. He, what he does really well is that he can get really tight to his line, working towards an outside track and be able to transition from an uh, an east-west orientation to a north-south orientation within really one step and the best backs either need one or no steps to do that a lot of backs takes two to three steps to do it which means he can press deeper later get tighter behind his blocks and force defenders to overrun their angles and then cut back on them and so you're going to see some really nice expertise from him in that angle from that from that angle and i think He's capable of being an every-down guy, but you'll see some sub-packages where they want to maybe use a back as a quick hitter on certain looks to to really try and stretch the defense um, vertically with the running game. Now, I want to get uh, into Matt's thoughts on this year's draft class, and we'll start things off talking about those quote-unquote big three guys that everybody seems to rank at the top of this draft class and Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and Javante Williams, and we'll pick Matt's brain on that coming up on today's Locked on Falcons podcast. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug the MLB side of the Locked on Podcast Network where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite Major League Baseball team, including the Atlanta Braves. Check out the Locked on Braves podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So whether we're talking about the NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. And of course, Bet Online is also the place to get in on those great 2021 NFL draft props. If you have a hunch on where players like Justin Fields, Pinay Sewell, and Kyle Pitts are going to be drafted, and speaking of props, Bet Online has one on how many running backs will go in round one, and not just running backs. You can find other positions like quarterback, offensive line, cornerback too, as well as how many 
total defensive players will be drafted in round one. And it's not just sports since bet online even covers awards, TV shows and reality TV, get real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine because bet online has you covered for all the news scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up, head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code locked on and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. So that means if you deposit a hundred dollars, you get $50 in free money to play with. Use that promo code locked on to get that 50% welcome bonus bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So you guys know that the Locked On Podcast Network is covering the NFL draft from every single angle that you can possibly imagine. Catch up on the ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Odyssey right now airing today. Also follow the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast and Draft Dudes Podcast for the latest draft news. And stay tuned for more information on the Locked On Podcast Network's live 2021 NFL Draft coverage. So I'm here with Matt Waldman of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. We're talking about running backs in this draft class, and it seems like everybody has, whether it's you know one, two, or three, but everybody seems to agree that Najee Harris out of Alabama, Travis Etienne out of Clemson, and Javante Williams out of UNC are sort of the universal top three running backs in this draft class. A lot of people project all of those guys to be top 50 picks. You've talked about already on today's episode that you may only see one of those guys go in the first round, but I'm just curious, sort of what are your thoughts on those players? How do you sort of evaluate them? Do you see those guys having the potential to be sort of the feature runners and the bell cow backs that everybody strives to have in the NFL with guys like Derek Henry or Nick Chubb or Dalvin cook, et cetera. Um, And you know, who is that? Maybe that one guy that you were hinting at that you think could go in round one over the other two. Sure. And Certainly, I think all three of those players, while I don't have them rated one, two, and three on my board, they're all guys that I think can be starters in the league and be good starters. Um, And so when you look at a guy like Travis Etienne, he's that player that I think would be better in a gap-style offense, but we don't have a lot of gap-style offenses in the league, and and only some teams use the gap as a change-up. But he'd fit extremely well there because of that, that decisive burst downhill and he's rugged just just rugged enough to maximize his speed to work through any type of contact when he hits a crease hard he's he's going to convert well to an outside zone scheme or wide zone scheme within a year or two he's the guy probably on the board most prone to backsliding to trying to out athlete people by not pressing creases deep enough trying to bounce and and cut back to early on plays that we saw from Backs like Miles Sanders or C.J. Spiller or, or, you know, any young back who – or Reggie Bush back in the day where they try to do too much. He's that player that's most likely to do that, but he improved during his career in terms of making more mature decisions. So you can see that he's, he was on the right track in terms of learning. Very good receiver. So I like him, but I think he wouldn't be – you know, he'd be a good complement to Mike Davis because you could use them both as receivers out of the backfield. So I see how he'd have appeal for Atlanta, especially where you could give him a year or two to mature fully into being that lead back. Um, Javante Williams, I think, is the safest back in this class. He reminds me pretty much you just look at his build, you look at his style of play, you look at his physicality, and really the the level of speed and change of direction quickness and the burst that he has. And he's very similar to Mark Ingram. You know, a guy who does everything well, nothing at a superstar level, um, except maybe one thing, which is he has what I call micro-movements. And micro-movements are the ability to really just 
turn the shoulder at the right point or or lift the feet up a little higher. Just make that final split-second adjustment that either uh, helps you avoid an angle from a defender, avoid a full hit of an angle from a defender so that you turn a, a hit into a reach instead of, you know, instead of being a, a, a finality type of a hit, or to be able to turn the pads just enough to be the aggressor in the confrontation. And now because you're hitting first, you're now forcing the defender have to react to that and you can make a second movement that gets you free of them. He's very good at that. And that's a subtlety of a game that guys like Cook and Ezekiel Elliott have and you know that make them so good. Nick Chubb has it in his game. Very good player. The guy that I think would go in the first round is Najee Harris. And I think it's because when you look at Harris's game, he has the receiving skills, even for a big back, where he can work over the middle. You can run him on slants. You can use him on circle routes. But he also has that dynamic skill where you can watch him against, say, Ravens rookie last year, Patrick Queen, watch some of his tape, and he can make the back shoulder play up the sideline. And it's not the only time he's done that. They throw that route to him regularly enough that uh, there's pretty much good proof that this guy can be a downfield option. He has enough speed to flip the field. I'm not big on the Matt Forte comparison because Matt Forte was a glider with even more suddenness to his game. But Harris, to me, is a slightly faster Chris Carson with even better receiving skills, and Carson's not a bad receiver. Um, He may have to shore up his game a little bit in short yardage where he tries again to – to retreat and bounce and bounce plays when the crease isn't initially there rather than the, just to hit it. And he's not the pass protector. Mike Davis is right now. He drops his head and telegraphs a lot of his intentions and has to fix that. But he has moments where he's very good. So all three of those guys, I think are, are reasonable picks in the early rounds, the first 50 picks in the draft. Now uh, I want to talk a little bit more about maybe some guys that the Falcons given that they have a lot of needs in this draft and may decide that, hey, there's a better player available, particularly with that pick 35 at the top of round two where they might go in another direction. And one would imagine that one of these, you know, none of these three guys are going to be there in round three, I think, given how much they're valued and sort of who maybe is the guy that stands out. You, You talked about how those guys aren't your top three. Who's also in the mix for you at the top of your rankings at this running back class? Well, I have a shocker as my number one back. And again, when I look at it, it's not so much about the grade, even though he's my top graded guy, it's about the tier. He's in the same tier with Harris Williams and, you know, guys like those two actually are in my top tier. And the third guy is Trey Sermon, um, Ohio state, Oklahoma. Um, And apparently after I've been talking about this on the circuit a little bit is that I'm not alone. I've heard that, that scouts like him and think that in the next two to three years, he could prove to be the best back in this class. He's my top rated guy. And the reason he may not be top rated by a number of draft Knicks is that people look at draft capital and they're trying to follow what GMs would do. And when people look at number one picks, not not only do they look at talent for the number one, the first pick, they're also looking at, um, you know, production. They're looking at the full range of the, the combine metrics or pro day workout metrics injury history and when you look at sermon he's he got banged up once so he missed some time not last year but two years ago he split time with some excellent backs at oklahoma um though he didn't lose a starting job he just was always a a committee guy um and then at ohio state he transferred to ohio state had some great games 
and then got banged up again and broke a collarbone. Um, but when you look at his game overall, this is a guy that has just fantastic movement skills. And a lot of people will underrate that too because they look at jump cuts and think that jump cuts and dynamic movement is a sign of how good this back is. But really the best backs, Barry Sanders is the outlier. You know, The best backs are very efficient with how they use their feet. And so, like, if you went to my site and looked up what would Frank Gore do, um, and that's, you know, you can just look up Matt Wallman, what would Frank Gore do, and you can see an analysis of the difference between two running backs running the same type of play, encountering the same type of difficulty, and how one with great dynamic skill failed and the one with better efficiency won and won big. And, and one was Frank Gore, obviously, who was much older, and it was literally in the same week. You know, and the other one was Anthony McFarlane, who people see as a very exciting physical prospect. Um, but Sermon can do make the dynamic cuts, but he can also use curvilinear movement, which is a way to bend around runners at a high rate of speed. Um, or and it's kind of like a motorcycle taking a hairpin turn. Dalvin Cook is excels at that, and Sermon has enough burst, enough change of direction skill to run the outside zone. He's a guy that is a decent blocker. He's an after-contact runner. He's a tough runner. Um, and I do a lot of after-contact metrics for the, for the rookie scouting portfolio. And what was interesting to me is that all the other top backs they, who have great offensive lines, like the backs at North Carolina and Alabama, even that they had to deal with contact from a defensive lineman where a hit and like have had hits that they've had to overcome against defensive um, linemen. Trey Sermon didn't have a single play that I tracked out of 12 games last year where he had a, he had to deal with a hit. He was avoiding those hits up front and he broke a lot of tackles, but the fact that he didn't have to deal with a defensive tackle, it wasn't just his blocking. It's how he sees the field. Um, and so he's a better receiver than people think. You're probably going to be able to get him in the third round and maybe even the fourth round. And there are a lot of backs like Alvin Kamara, DeMarco Murray, who came out of the third and fourth rounds in drafts. And I had a back by the name of Nick Chubb, who was my rated, top rated back just ahead of Saquon Barkley and Marshawn Lynch just ahead of Adrian Peterson. And I loved Hart, Peterson and Barkley as backs. And I mean, unbelievably so, but I had them rated just a little bit higher in the same tier. And I, th- I don't think anybody could argue that Marshawn Lynch and Nick Chubb have proven their worth as early round type of talents, even if you would argue that the other guys were better. So yeah, you, you, you talked about how a guy like Kamara um, fell or whatever you want to call it in round three, but looking back gives you first round value. Do you, it, it sounds like you think Trey Sermon is that guy for this year's class. If anybody's going to be that guy. Absolutely. You know, I'm a big fan of what he has to offer and there's, there's probably two other backs in this class and one who's an excellent fit for the Falcons actually as an outside zone runner. And that's Khalil Herbert, um, for Virginia Tech, who's built like an, uh, uh, Dalvin Cook starter kid. He's five nine two ten, four four six forty, um, six point nine six three cone drill. And he's a guy that can break a lot of tackles and he has that curvy linear movement. But unlike Dalvin Cook, he actually can make hard cuts and uses them in his repertoire too. Now, I don't know if he's going to be on the level of Dalvin Cook. I don't think he will be, um, but I think that he's someone that could emerge as a starter and be give you what 
give you what Devonta Freeman was able to give you. I think he's he could be as good as what Devonta Freeman was, and that's that's no um that's no slight to Freeman, but that's that just shows you what kind of talent that Herbert has. Yeah, I mean, Devonta was a fourth round pick and and gave the Falcons plus value for you know the better part of three four years. Uh, so. Comparing anybody to Devontae Freeman, that's a benefit, particularly if the Falcons wind up waiting till round three or four to take a running back. If, if you tell me that he's going to give me something similar to what Devontae gives, that, that's a perfect marriage in my eyes for that sort of value in the draft. Yeah, absolutely. And then the guy who I actually would compare to Devontae Freeman, you know, is, you can probably even get later, and that's Josh Johnson out of the University of Louisiana Monroe, who's about the same build. He doesn't have that top end speed that Freeman never had, but he has the burst, the change of direction, um, quickness and the strength. And he's a very smart runner and he can catch the ball. He's someone that, you know, you look at him and you think he might be the back that uh, he's always looking over his shoulder for the next guy they draft and put ahead of him, but he could give you two to three years of, you know, contributor level, if not starter level play and pairing him with a guy like Mike Davis could prove a bargain. And it might, he could, at the very least, if you pick him and another back, like, say you get Herbert and, um, and Johnson, you could be looking at a situation where they're giving good competition to guys like Ido Smith, um, and Kadri Allison, who I actually kind of like Kadri Allison. I think he's a, he's a very good back. He just doesn't have the, the top end speed that you're looking for, but he's, he's a very nice situational player. Yeah, when when the Falcons drafted Allison, I was like, if he just drops like ten or fifteen pounds, like yeah. I think he'll he'll really potentially hit his ceiling. So we'll see how that goes. But I think now that Arthur Smith is here, I think everybody wants the Falcons to get one of those big two hundred and thirty plus pound running backs. So maybe that pushes him in the other direction. So we'll see what Allison does, uh, especially coming off a year where he basically did not play. Um, but before we get there, guys, we're talking about adding one of those smaller speedier running backs as well as some potential big bats that can help the Falcons out and bolster their running back death. But regardless of which direction the team goes, finding the right running back boils down to finding the right part. And when you find the right part, you don't want to have to pay a lot of money for it. And that's why you should head over to rockauto.com. When you're looking for your auto parts, they have everything from engine parts, motor oil, new carpet, brake parts, tail lamps, and you can get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Rockauto.com catalog is unique. It's easy to navigate as you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose by brand specification and the price that you prefer. And those prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do it yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Just go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the, how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. So the ultimate mock draft 2021 presented by locked on and odyssey is happening right now. As we speak, it's featuring analysis from NFL experts like Michael Irvin, Ross Tucker, Jason lock Brian Baldinger. And of course the incomparable Aaron Freeman, our local experts, including Aaron Freeman, uh, will be making the picks and making the trades and finding those stars for their respective teams. All you got to do is search for the ultimate mock draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports podcast music and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. You, you mentioned sort of 
the Falcons tag teaming a running back with Mike Davis and because Mike Davis isn't going to give you that home run ability, is there a running back that you could see maybe on day three of this draft that certainly could as a compliment to Mike Davis and give you more of that explosive runner when we talk about sort of the combination of Devontae Freeman with Tevin Coleman and, and that sort of dynamic? Is there a guy that you could see being a good compliment that could give the Falcons that big playability in the running back position? Sure, and Herbert is one of them because he's a four-four-six guy. Um, he has that he has that good speed and that good burst. But another one is Jamar Jefferson out of Oregon State. This is a very smooth, fluid runner. Um, I just joke. I, I I nickname him Toss because that play is like his his wheelhouse right there. But he can run outside zone. He's five ten, two seventeen, and can really glide and move at a level that. You think of Raheem Mostert, he's not as fast as that, but he certainly has some of that skill. I'm not a big Chuba Hubbard fan, but if there's an, a scheme that's going to work out for him in the NFL for it and for him to be a compliment, that this is it, you know? And he's a guy that um, he reminds me a lot of, like, maybe a little better than Tevin Coleman, not quite as good as Raheem Mostert, but it would fit in what you're looking for in that system. And if he drops... That wouldn't be bad. And then a third guy that I'd say has also has good speed, maybe a little undersized, but could be a nice option if they feel like he can add a little bit more weight. I, I see a little Clinton Portis in his game. It's just that he doesn't have the size to be Clinton Portis, and that's Javian Hawkins out of Louisville. Um, you know, another speedster who just runs smart and runs aggressively, who I think that might be available later and might drop. You could take a shot on him. Now, you mentioned Hawkins, and he is one of the smaller backs. There seems to be a bunch of those guys, whether we're talking about guys like Kenneth Gainwell or Michael Carter. It seems like a bunch of guys in this draft class tend to be a little bit on the smaller side. Where do you think teams will value these players, and sort of what roles do you envision some of these guys having uh, in at the next level? Yeah, and it's so variable because of the fact that some teams may uh, – Michael Carter is a great example. He's my fourth back on my board. I have him that high, and I – I, I could see the outcome where he gets a James White opportunity in Tampa Bay, and you could be really happy with what you get out of him there. You could see another team decide to use him as an outside zone back because I think he has enough of, I mean, 3.98 shuttle. That, that fits what he does on the field. He has great initial burst, and you need that for as a zone runner. So the Falcons could take him and say, we're really happy with him two to three years down the line and get a second contract and he could be their lead back. He's kind of that Giovanni. You could see that Giovanni Bernard type of potential that Bernard didn't get it fully at Cincinnati, or you could look at him and, and realize too, that maybe he's, I see him this way. I I'd rather have him over Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And I like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but I think he's a more powerful back in in the box than what Clyde Edwards Hilaire ever showed. Um, and I think he's Clyde Edwards Hilaire equal as a receiver, especially in the middle of the field and against zone routes and zone coverage. So if the Falcons could get him, that would be fantastic. But you can see the variety of outcomes because if there's a team that can somehow have enough weapons to create binds where they want to use Carter as a Westbrook Hilaire type option, you got that. If you want to use him as more of a lead back, maybe an Aaron Jones type, he might be able to do that too. And then you, and then there might be teams that just say, you know what, you're more of a James White, Deion, Deion Lewis type, and we're going to stick you in that range. And I think there are a number of smaller backs like that who 
you look at and you say a lot of them are probably going to wind up being third down guys and it just depends on the offense they go to that determines how much of a how much volume they'll actually get yeah um you know i think matt you just illustrated you know why i think a lot of people look down in terms of the running back position in, in terms of valuing them because it does seem like you know there's a lot of you know different strokes for different folks where depending on what you're looking for at the position you can wait on some of these guys and you're, you're going to be able to get some of those things and i think that's one of the byproducts of teams value devaluing this position is it, it's sort of the cycle where like even though those players get to the next level and play at a high level you know that other teams aren't going to value them. So you can then on your own draft board say, okay, we know that this guy's not going to go in the first two rounds and we can use those picks to address other issues and maybe see who's there in round three, who's who's there in round four. And we should have a plethora of options to sort of pick from that can sort of fill our needs. And I think that's a great point, Aaron. And, and But you can also look at it another way, which is kind of fun to do, is that, it seems like the NFL gets really in, hooked on the trends, and then we all talk about what the trends are. And then you start looking at the teams that actually make the Super Bowl, and the teams that make the Super Bowl run the heck out of the football, and they do it very well. So, so sometimes you go, well, if everyone's playing nickel and quarters, what should I do? Well, maybe, maybe I decide, look, I'm going to build a big old offensive line. We're going to run these guys out of town. I mean, I grew up a Cleveland Browns fan, so I – while I'm not a huge Baker Mayfield fan, I'm happy for how this system works for him. But to have Nick Chubb and then Kareem Hunt in, and luck out to be able to get that too, you can see how this team could be a Super Bowl-bound organization um, that can just maul people in the ground game. And so as long as – and I think that sometimes you look for that when everyone's saying this is the convention, the conventional thing is to not look at running backs – you know, early you go, it no longer becomes the conventionally safe thing to do. Um, so it, it's just worthwhile seeing who's going to be the contrarians of the, of our draft classes and who's the one team that goes, let's pick this guy early or pick this guy a little bit earlier. And then there's some, but there's some big backs in this class who might turn out pretty good. Ramondre Stevenson is one of my favorites though. He's a little on the slower side, but he's a 230 pound back out of Oklahoma who ran for 2,000 yards as a Juco back and lost 20 pounds while he was playing this year so that he could reshape his body. Now, that didn't result in any better speed, but he may still be reshaping and reconfiguring, trying to add some quick twitch muscle to his frame. But he has great feet, great hands. He's one of the best pass protectors in the class. And as shifty and fluid as he has with hips and be able to move and, and slide and pick and slide through creases, and he's a good zone runner, he knows when to bring it. He doesn't think he's a 185-pound scat back. He knows he's 230, and he will flat out run over a defensive tackle if he needs to. Okay. Well, Matt, I'm sure you probably got another dozen names that you could throw at us uh, today on the podcast. But for those people that are, are looking for that, where can they find your stuff to get more insight, not only into this running back position, but all the, all the other draft work that you're doing currently with the Rookie Scouting Portfolio? Sure. The RSP publication is a 16-year-old publication that studies quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. I have my own process that I've been using that time. It's based on best practices um, for evaluating employees, you know, evaluating performance. And I translated it to football 
and it continues to grow. It's one of the most looked at publications for cross-checking among NFL scouts, according to division one recruiters that I know who meet with scouts on a regular basis. Um, and it's something that has covers 150 players. It's a bookmark PDF. You can get it. Matt Waldman, rsp.com. It comes with a post-draft addendum a week after the draft and you get signed up for a newsletter. It's available for $21.95 and a percentage of that up to $5,000 is donated to darkness to light an organization devoted to preventing sexual abuse of children, as well as addressing it when it unfortunately happens so that children don't are further traumatized by it. They train individuals and organizations, um, universities, Little league teams, whatever you're looking at, you know, they do great work. Um, and we've already given $4,000 this month honoring um, Child Abuse Prevention Month in April. Great cause there. Check it out. A lot of great insight into that. And I guess uh, the last question I'll ask you, Matt, is since you've been doing this for 16 years, uh, where does Cal Pitts fit in, uh, in in that sort of 16-year cycle? Is he something different or have you seen uh, is maybe a little bit of the hype in terms of generational stuff being a little bit overblown in your eyes? Yeah. I'd, I'd say he is, he, he's a better version of Jimmy Graham. I, and I think that that's, I'd say that he's, he's worth the hype because he actually could develop as a blocker in a way that Jimmy Graham couldn't. So you could play him outside, you could play him inside. Um, and to me, he's just a weapon. He's just a receiver. Um, you know, whether you, however you line him up, he would have been my number three receiver in this class if you just used him as a wide receiver. As a tight end, he's by far the number one guy. Um, he's not TJ Hawkinson, the blocker, but you know, he could, he's capable enough to be a decent one. And he has a very good shot of delivering what say Tony Gonzalez delivered for the Falcons. He could be that next Tony Gonzalez type of player. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> from your lips to God's ears, I guess we'll, we'll see what the Falcons <laughs> uh, do with that uh, draft selection. But I really do appreciate you coming on today and, and talking with me about this running back position. And I think the Falcons probably will wind up taking a running back at some point in this draft. And we'll have to have to come back on after the draft and talk a little bit in depth in terms of maybe what that guy winds up uh, fitting in in Atlanta. So I appreciate it. I love it. Thanks so much for having me. All right, man. So there you guys have it. Matt Waldman, rookie scouter performer. Go check out his stuff. Good calls there. Great insight from Matt. Always, always has a, an eye for detail, particularly at the running back position that I definitely don't have. And um, guys, tomorrow's episode, I think we're probably, unless something happens major, I'm thinking tomorrow, I, I know Bet Online, I think, had the over under win totals for the Falcons. And I think that will be something that we will touch upon on tomorrow's episode. Um, unless something comes up. So that's the plan. And we will revisit the topic that I have discussed probably a little too much in some people's eyes about whether or not this Falcon team, um, you know, can, can be a little bit more competitive than maybe some people have given them credit, but maybe we'll also talk about what their ceiling is potentially this upcoming season. But uh, I definitely want to jump into that before the schedule comes out next month. Now that we know that officially that won't happen until after the draft. So uh, yeah, let's, we'll probably talk about that on tomorrow's episode. Appreciate it, guys. If you have any questions that you want to send in, you know, there will be potential room for a Q and a on tomorrow's episode. Uh, if I don't have, 30 minutes of content to talk about the Falcons win totals. Um, you can send those in via Twitter to lockdown Falcons via Facebook to lockdown Falcons, or you can send an email to lockdown Falcons at mail.com. Appreciate it till then.